Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Fight Island 7, Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night in Yas Island, Abu Dhabi. You already know the deal. Max Holloway wants another shot at Alexander Volkanovsky. And if Cater wants to get a title shot, you know there's no better way to secure a title shot than to go out there and defeat the great Max Holloway. Yeah, Max Holloway, I mean, we can't forget at one point this guy was on, what, a 12-13 fight winning streak with wins over Anthony Pettis, Jose Aldo, Lamas, uh, Jeremy Stevens. I mean, the list goes on and on. So, you know, Calvin's been able to, to pick up some really good wins as of late. And we know Calvin's always got the potential. And now this is finally uh, finally his opportunity, man, uh, to finally possibly, you know, put his name up in there in the title contention. I mean, he's got a, a chance to skip you know, some guys that he lost to, like Zabit, you know, so, you know, this is a good opportunity for him. It's a massive opportunity, and not only does he get the chance to, you know, I, I wouldn't say skip the line, because you beat Max Holloway, that's a title shot worthy win, but there's going to be a lot of eyes on this fight, Shaq. This is the first time the UFC is ever on ABC, like, ABC, dude, like, we can just fucking put it on, I forget what channel is, what, channel 5, channel 11, some shit, but bottom line, you don't even need uh, DirecTV or Dish Network to watch ABC, so there's going to be a lot of eyes, and they picked a very stacked main card, Shaq. Yeah, 100%, and, and you know, one thing about uh, Max Holloway, you know, uh, a lot of eyes, because a lot of other fans, you know, are, are feeling for Holloway right now, you know, they feel as if that he was robbed the last fight, and, you know, uh, and, you know, it would be unfortunate. What's he lost? Three out of his last four? So, you know, yeah. if he if he were to lose, I know the fans, you know, are pulling for a Holloway victory. Everyone would love to see the, the blessed express back in business, you know, uh, this weekend. And, look, that last fight was very close. It was very controversial. Um, you know, it is what it is. They, they awarded. You can't lose the championship rounds like that. You know what I'm saying? And that's what happened. Um but, you know, I feel like it's a lot of wise because, look, Calvin's team, man, they're on a roll right now. You know, Rob Font just knocked out Marlon unconscious, and, and you know, Calvin was there. And, you know, Ty, my boy Tyson's got an opportunity to have two number one contenders here soon. Yeah, I mean, the New England cartel, shout out to Tyson Chartier. He's doing some great things uh, over there with them. And, I mean, look, with Max Holloway, we're going to talk about it when we break down the fight, but it's like he won the first two rounds versus Volkanovski so comfortably that he literally coasted the next three. I mean, he's going out there between rounds, you know, making signals to the to John Anik and shit. It's like, dude, who gives a fuck what they think? Like, you got Volkanovski in front of you. And really what it came down to in my eyes, Shaq, was the first two rounds were clear for Holloway. The fourth and fifth were clear for Volk. I thought the third round was the swing round, and, and that's basically what determined the entire fight. Very close fight. So we're going to break down this whole car start to finish. But before we do, got to let everybody know, listen up, fellas, 2020 sucked. It's finally the new year, which means new balls with our sponsored Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision engineer tools for your family jewels and helping 2 million men all over the world get rid of hair on their balls. If you let yourself go... In 2020, while in quarantine, Manscaped is here for you to reboot and stay clean shaved in 2021. And, man, I know firsthand how much 2020 sucked. Uh, you know, the lockdowns, not being able to go anywhere, not being able to see people. 
Not even you can't go to concerts. You can't do shit. So I know firsthand. I feel y'all's pain. But Manscaped is here to give you a fresh start in 2021 with their perfect package 3.0 that has all the right tools for the job. So come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the lawnmower 3.0. And this waterproof and skin safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. The, this third generation trimmer even has a light to give you a, a little bit of that glow that you need in 2021. It's also time to uh, freshen up down there with the new crop preserver, which is the anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. So why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And, you know, for on the go freshness, you'll love the crop reviver. Your My boy Shaq knows tr straight up about that crop reviver with the aloe vera and hazel extract. Look. 2020 was awful, so make sure your boys are refreshed and ready for the new beginnings in 2021. Manscaped even threw in their new shed travel, travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Look at this fucking badass toiletry bag they sent with all their stuff. And it even came with these boxer briefs, anti-chafing boxer briefs, which I highly recommend to make sure you feel your best down there. A guy with hairy balls is like the year 2020. Do not be that guy. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. And use code BATTLE20. Happy New Year's to your balls, Shaq. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself, so. You know, make sure y'all go and get those Manscaped products and feel good about yourself. Yes, sir. They also got some badass cologne, the body wash, the crop preserver. They already hooked us up with all that, so make sure y'all check them out. Use code BATTLE20, all caps, for 20% off and free shipping. Now, Shaq, let's get right down to business. I think the fans are here for one reason and one reason only. To break down this fight uh, between Jacob Kilburn and Austin Lingo. Just kidding, but we got to get down to business. This is the first fight on the card. We got Jacob Kilburn, who's eight and three, taking on Austin Lingo, who is seven and one. And currently, they got Austin Lingo minus 215. The comeback on Jacob Kilburn is plus 181. So, Shaq, uh, th this is interesting, man, because you and I know Jacob Kilburn from the regional scene. You know, he even had a face off with our boy, Nasty Nate Williams. And then the fight ended up not happening because Jacob got the uh, contender series call. Here's the thing with Kilburn. He gets his ass beat every single fight, win or lose. And he even said in his interview that he went to ATT for this camp and, you know, thinking that, hey, we're going to make some improvements in our game. He said that they beat his ass so bad at ATT that they had him pissing blood and rethinking his career every single time he went home. And I took it a step further because I got friends that train at ATT. So I hit up some of my boys at ATT to find out exactly what the deal was. People that have trained with him that I know, they said they absolutely mopped the floor with him in literally every area. And I'm talking about guys two weight classes below him, Shaq. If you're not on Austin Lingo's level, he'll run through you and treat you accordingly. And if you're not on Jacob Kilburn's level, you'll still beat his ass and maybe he'll get a comeback. Jacob Kilburn would make Chase Hooper and Peter Barrett look like future world champions. And I'm not kidding when I tell you I would lay chalk on Chase Hooper and Peter Barrett against uh, Jacob Kilburn. Now, when you talk about Austin Lingo, it's unfortunate that his UFC debut went the way it did, especially with the way he was lined. And because he was such a big favorite and he performed the way he did, 
I mean, people are kind of down on him now, but I truly believe if that fight was lined how it was supposed to be lined, which is, you know, minus 300 is the law, and the fight went down how it went, I think we'd be saying, hey, you know, Lingo's a pretty tough guy. He got up from every takedown. He kept going forward. He takes the center of the octagon. He's a very tough guy. I simply think that, not to be disrespectful, but I think Jacob Kilburn might actually literally be the worst fighter in the featherweight division. And I got the entire roster over him, Shaq. So I'm going to pick Austin Lingo to come out here, get another one-punch knockout. If he wants to test his wrestling, he can come out here and take down Jacob Kilburn. Kilburn has no business in the UFC. After this fight, we'd love to have him in the NFC. I'm going Austin Lingo for the win, Shaq. Yeah, you know, Kilburn, yeah, he's not very good, man. He's flat-footed. Uh He's got a good left foot, but, you know, this ain't uh, Javonis Ross anymore, you know. Javonis Ross, who's coming off three knockout losses in a row. You know, so, yeah. Definitely know him from the, uh, where is he from, like Tennessee or something like that? Yeah, the local scene. And, uh, yeah, man, Lingo, I just feel like, you know, yeah, he fought Billy Cornteal, but Billy Cornteal, man, that that was a a vicious, a, a vicious, hellacious whooping, man. I was like, you know, as where, like, Austin Lingo, like, yeah, he got his ass whooped, but, you know, after I heard his interview, I mean, he said he was pretty much worn out by the time the fight even got there because, you know, it was a super late notice call. And I, I don't think anyone could have seen it being that wide just because the law, had, if I'm not mistaken, lost like two of his previous three fights before that to to like, you know, jobbers like Mariscal and and, uh, and some other, you know, some other guy on the local scene in LFA. So, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, it was hard to see that coming, but when you actually hear the backstory, like Lingo was, it was super late notice. He said he had to do all this fucking medical and paperwork shit and fucking something that he was never used to. And then by the time he got to the fight, he just wanted it to be over, man. So it was like, you know, uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, you give him a full camp. I definitely feel like he's the, uh, I mean, look, Jacob Kilburn, we were trying to get him to fight. We were trying to get him to fight me, you know? So, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I mean, like, he's got a left hook, but so does Lingo, and I feel like Lingo moves forward a little more aggressive, probably a little bit, so, at least sounds a little bit more confident in himself. Kilburn doesn't sound too confident, man, so, you know, uh, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I'll go with Lingo. So, I wanted to share a DM with you. I'm not going to actually tell you who sent it. I'll tell you off air, Shaq, but um, of someone that trains the ATT, that train with, uh, with Kilburn, because I, I had to find out what the deal was, and this is what this person said. Oh, Jacob Kilburn, dude, he is not ready. I've trained with him numerous times, sparred, wrestled, everything. I dominated him multiple times, and I'm not kidding, man. And he also said, um, I got to find the thing you said about the boxing. Hold up. Uh, He said that, okay, okay. He said, yeah, I'm going to bet big, but I haven't seen Austin fight. When I tell you I boxed him up, I was landing every punch. So I see no reason not to bet Austin. That's what uh, someone that trains at ATT had to say. They literally landed every punch, and this is a guy smaller than Jacob Kilburn. But anyways, just had to throw that out there. Next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Sarah Morass. She's 6-6, six and six, and Vanessa Mello is 10-8. and eight. Currently, they got Sarah Morass minus 230. The comeback on Vanessa Mello is plus 190. Shaq, I mean, you know, traditionally speaking, we ain't laying no minus 230 on Sarah Morass. The thing is, like, same, you know, similar to Kilburn, you think Vanessa Mello kind of fits that mold where, like, she ain't winning no UFC fight no matter what? Man, I actually did watch tape 
people in this fight. It was very painful. Um, <laughs> there, you know, it's just one of those things. There's like, there's no, there's no reason anyone could possibly explain to me that she should be lying more than two to one in this fight or yet alone any fight. And, uh, and I'll tell you why, man. I feel like we've seen every, we've, I mean, we've seen a large sample size out of her. And yeah, she does have real UFC wins over uh, Evan Smith and, and uh, Joe Jua, but Evan Smith is a complete, sh I mean, she's complete shit. And, uh, and Leia, M Mello might be as well, but at the same time, I don't feel like Mello's really gotten a fair opportunity, a fair fight. I mean, Look what Melo's been in there against, man. Irene Aldana, who's a top-ranked fighter. Tracy Cortez is a top prospect, in my opinion. Carol Rosa is a top prospect, in my opinion. You know, I've seen uh, Moraz in there with people like Talita Bernardo, and she couldn't even get the win, you know what I'm saying? So, like, uh, and Lucy Putalova, like, chicks that aren't even in the UFC anymore, and these chicks were able to drop her and, and, and get wins against her, man. So, although Moraz has the ground game going for her, uh, you know, I actually took a look at both girls' Instagrams. Melo's coming in super uh, lighter for this fight, man. You know, she's uh, she's dropped some pounds. You know, I think she had some weight problems. And, I, and if I'm not mistaken, a lot of those three fights were super short notice, man. So, like, this is her first chance to get a, a, a full camp. Sarah Morass can't even beat Talita Bernardo. So, like, why the hell? And, you know, let me. And another thing, uh, people are saying she looked the best that she had against Ajara. I think that's a bad take, man. I think Sajar is a big gasser. I think Sajar is a big under underachiever. And, and yeah, Morass is a little bit of a scrapper, but I mean, she still lost every single round, man. So it's like, I've already seen the best of her. I don't think I've seen the best of Melo. And one thing you can say about Melo is she's durable. She's never been finished, you know? So, hey, maybe maybe she can uh, throw more punches and, and touch Morass up. I, I don't see why anyone would be playing minus two something on Sarah Morass, a chick that lost to Toledo Bernardo. So, you know, we'll see. I'm glad you brought up that Bernardo fight. And the reason why is because my original argument was going to be like, hey, if the bookie set Morass minus 230, there's probably a reason behind it. But then you find out they set her that versus Bernardo too, and she lost that fight. So it's one of those things. And then with Melo, you know, she's missed weight all three of her UFC fights. So, she can't really be trusted either. I'm glad to hear she's been shedding pounds. I mean, I guess it is a dogger pass situation. I'm really not sure which way to go. I'll take Sarah Morass, but I mean, you know, do, do not do not lay chalk on Sarah Morass is all I got to say. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Z David Zawada. He's 17 and five and Ramazan Amiv is 19 and four. Currently, they got Ramazan and Meev minus 260, the comeback on David Zawada's plus 220. I mean, Shaq, we've been talking about Ramazan and Meev for a long, long time. I mean, we used to call him the clinch master. I mean, if you take a patient approach against a guy like Ramazan and Meev, he's winning that decision all day. But do you think that David Zawada can make this that dirty fight, make it gritty, you know, get that output going and just outwork a guy like uh, Ramazan? No, man, I don't. I, I think, you know, Ramazan, this is, uh, you know, one of his typical his typical fights. Don't get finished and you win, man. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's pretty simple. I think Zawada is exciting and, and he does press forward, but you got to think about who he was fighting in those fights, those fight of the nights versus Jing Liang. Jing Liang gets dropped in literally every single fight for the most part. Um, and then Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts also 
you know, gets dropped in pretty much every single fight, man. So, you know, uh, and, and, and just his grappling mistakes, man, that's what really uh, sold me as this is going to be an easy win for him. He, you know, he just makes too many uh, careless mistakes. He tries to do the sacrifice throws, the big hip tosses, and, and that's not going to work here. And, and, yeah, he is very active, and I guess the, the knock against Ameev is the, the Russian coast style, but Ameev's never allowed anyone to bully him, never allowed anyone to press him back. I mean, the only guy that beat him was Rocco, and, he, you know, it was just because Rocco had better boxing, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like Zawada is exciting, but he makes too many mistakes in the grappling. His cardio ain't the best, and his striking really ain't the best either. I feel like Ameev's better everywhere. Just has to avoid the big shot, and and, and he'll get the uh, decision win. So I do name Ramazan ain't losing in uh, Abu Dhabi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, David Zawada is a very tough guy. Um, his fight with Danny Hot Chocolate was a fantastic brawl. You, I highly recommend you guys watch that fight. They just went at it for three straight rounds. It was very exciting to watch. Even in his fight with Li Jingliang, he went out there, dropped him in the first round. Uh, as Shaq pointed out, Li's been dropped five times in his UFC career. So it wasn't much of a surprise. But at least we know that, you know, when uh, David puts his hands together, he can put people down. And then off his back, he's very active, not just in the submission win over uh, Nurmagomedov, but even in these other fights, like the Danny Hot Chocolate fight. He's definitely uh, yeah, very active. Real, real quick. He didn't tap out Khabib, guys. He tapped out uh, his, his, his shit cousin. And his cousin, I've seen his cousin sparked by Ukrainians in, in PFL. So, you know, just putting that out there. It, it's even his cousin. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because I've heard like a hundred different dudes that are Khabib's cousin. You yeah, know he ain't even his fucking cousin, really. It's just a friend. But I mean, they're about as much cousins as the Shevchenko's are sisters. You know yeah, exactly, so, uh, exactly. But that being said, look... It's just about can he stop the Russian coast? Like I said, you go out there and you play a patient game against a guy like Ramazan, he's gonna win this decision all day. But if you can really make him work, that's where you know that's where you can beat the guy. I'm just not quite sold on Zawadi yet. I think that he can get taken down. Um, I think that he can get stalled out, and I just don't think he's got the. I think he's a tough guy. He just doesn't have the athletic tools. So I'll go with Ramazan Amiva via decision. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a match between Justin Taffa. He's four and one. And Carlos Felipe is nine and one. Currently, they got Carlos Felipe minus 185. The comeback on Justin Taffa is plus 160. So Justin Taffa, you know, he's got a bit of that Mark Hunt game going on, um, but he's still very inexperienced. Carlos Felipe has been doing his thing, man. He had a tough fight against Sergey Spivak, won his last fight against um, Dick Castro. Now they're matching him up here. It initially opened. Kind of a pick him with a slight lean on Felipe. Now he's a bit of a wider favorite. Uh, what do you think, man? Uh, you think Taffa can catch him with that big bomb, or you think the experience of Felipe will uh, you know, pay dividends here? Hard to say because Taffa, it does seem like he's got good counters, but I've only his only limited film on him, you know. Uh, and on his local scene, I mean, dude was getting taken down by, like, middleweights and shit. So, you know, it's, like, hard to really judge him. He did make a mistake. And personally, I think he's better than the Castro. I just think he... Made a mistake there and, uh, and, and you know, got caught a heavyweight. You know, the margin of error is small. I got to go with Felipe just because I've been more impressed with him. This fight with Spivak, that fight kind of led me to think that Spivak, I think he's got a fight lined up here soon. I'm high on him. And Felipe, hung, you know, he hung in there, man. He got his ass beat. But, you know, he, uh, he I mean, he kept moving forward for a big, heavy guy. I mean, he came in a little slimmer. He didn't have to cut to 265 for the second fight against the Castro, and the volume was on point. I know the Castro gasses out, so 
maybe the line is a bit wide just because it's heavyweight and, and Tafa, we don't know. I mean, he's been out for a while. He, who knows? He's super young in his career. He could be made. He could have made a big leap uh, in, in his improvement. So who knows? But I got to go with Felipe. I, I just feel like he's got more experience, throws more punches with the with the punch count, mixes it up to the body. But uh, and, and he seems good defensively, too. You know, I know Spivak popped his head back with the jab, but his second fight, he looked good. So uh, we'll see. But I don't know. It could be a dire pass. Yeah, listen, I've called Justin Taffa's two UFC fights correctly. The first time I bet De Castro. And then the second time, you know, we ain't never picking Juan Adams and no UFC fight check. Uh, and shout out to Justin Taffa for exposing that complete fraud and getting him out of there exactly how you're supposed to. And it's funny to me that people were laying chalk on Juan Adams against Justin Taffa, you know, making up this angle about how he's going to use his alleged wrestling to win the fight. When the fight prior, he got knocked out on a takedown attempt against Greg Hardy. I know Shaq remembers that. But with Felipe... I just simply feel like he's farther ahead than Taffa at this point in his career. You know, he's already had 10 pro fights. He's, he's had, you know, double the fights as, as Justin Taffa. And they are heavyweights, so, you know, anyone could get caught. But I'm going to have to lean with the experience of Felipe. And I think if he drags this one out, that um, the odds will swing in his favor. So I'm going to go with uh, Carlos Felipe here. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Omari Akhmedov. He's 20-5. and five, And Tom Breeze is 12-2. and two. Currently, they got Tom Breeze minus 150. The comeback on Omari Akhmedov is plus 130. So with Breeze, I mean, we know he's a very talented guy, man. And shout out to Breeze for handling that guy, KB Bueller, exactly how you're supposed to. We called that one right. But this ain't no KB Bueller anymore, man. It's back to fighting another UFC mainstay. Do you think those big Russian bombs of Omari Akhmedov can discourage a guy like Tom Breeze? Or you think Tom Breeze can use that good boxing, kind of extend the fight and take advantage of a tired Akhmedov? Man, this is a, one of the tougher fights to call, in my opinion, just because, I don't know, Breeze definitely has talent, you know, but we know the mental side is in question at times. And But, you know, maybe that last fight was what he needed to find. But it's like, you know, Omari would, I mean, he put Omari in there with KB Bueller. I mean, it's going to get ugly too, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, Omari might, toss that, it's gonna, Omari might toss that dude out the cage, you know what I'm saying? But, uh <laughs> But, uh, yeah, like Omar's last fight was kind of disappointing just because, but, you know, I will cut him a little slack. I will say, you know, definitely underestimated the wrestling ability of Chris Weidman. He can definitely still get them single legs and, and uh, do his thing with the grappling, you know. So I just feel like that that style of fight, man, it, 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 man and look, he's going to gas out regardless. I mean, that's just his frame, his muscle. He gasses out every fight. But, you know, it's uh, – and it, I don't know, man, because Breeze hasn't done shit. And it's like, you know, I see the talent. He's got good boxing. He's got a good jab, a good straight uh, jujitsu. I don't like the wrestling. You know, Brendan Allen kind of exposed that. I do feel like he has some some England wrestling uh, in his uh, thing. I feel like Omari could capitalize. You know, I'm having a hard time. You know, I, I do feel like things are pointing to Breeze like, you know, Omari couldn't capitalize on that I, I still think Weidman looked like shit in that fight you know <laughs> but uh you know Omari wasn't good enough to capitalize on a washed up Chris Weidman you know where does he go from there now my gut tells me that maybe he should still be the favorite we're talking about a guy that went to draw with Vittori went you know beat Ian Heinish he uh you know beat Razak Alassane when Razak Alassane was actually you know undefeated um you know like he's actually done more things so I'm, I'm thinking maybe he should 
has done more to be the favorite. But yeah, look, he gasses out and if Breeze comes in building off the last one, he does have the skills to to make a Omari gas and possibly even knock him out in the late rounds, as we've seen dudes do before him, like Sergino, Elizu, and Chris Wyman, 10 8 third rounds, Ian Heinish won the third round. So yeah, look, I'm a I'm a pick Tom Breeze. I, I that's what my gut tells me things are trending in his way. But from a betting perspective, I am a little nervous just because you know, it's hard. I don't, this dude don't have any social media. So it's like, I can't keep up with him. I, you know, I don't know what he's doing. Um, from the sounds of it, after his last fight, he seems good. But it's like, uh, we can't forget not too long ago, he quit against Brennan. And I don't care what anybody says, he quit. So, you know, yeah, I guess he was trying to get his feet wet or whatever. But, you know, it is what it is. But I, I'll take him for the win. But I'll say by a, a close, close decision. This is a tough one for me to call, Shaq. I really don't know because it's like you got the nice crisp boxing of a guy like Tom Breeze. It's just like if Omari starts swinging those bombs and he lands a couple of them, is Breeze going to you know stay focused and stay on that game or is he going to get discouraged? And also, if takedowns start becoming a factor, then what? Because with the Weidman fight, I mean, look, there, there's no debate on my part that Weidman you know, is washed up and a washed up Weidman did beat Omari. But there's also no debate that Weidman's wrestling credentials are up here compared to Tom Breeze. You know what I mean? And Weidman was that Weidman single leg is a thing of beauty, huh? I mean, even <laughs> the fights that Weidman, even the fights that Weidman loses, he gets that takedown. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like from the jump, as soon as the bell rang, he was immediately making Omari work instantly, which is something Tom Breeze ain't really gonna do. So. Yeah, you're right. Look, Omari's going to gas because that's what he does. I just think he'll gas a little bit later because he's not going to have to work so hard to defend takedowns, then get some of his own and, you know, this and that. And, you know, Weidman ain't no former welterweight. And one thing about Weidman, look, we can say what we want about all the times he's been knocked out, but Weidman ain't never quit in no fight before. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Omari for the upset here. Now, next up in the the flyweight division, we got a match between Yan An Wu. She's eleven and three, and Jocelyn Jones is nine and two. Currently, they got Wu Yan An minus one twenty. The comeback on Jocelyn Edwards is plus one hundred. So, Shaq, uh, when the UFC matchmakers were scouting out the female talent in China, so they go out there, they sign three people. You know who those three people are, right? We got Wiley Zhang, who went on to be a world champion. We got Yan Xiaonan, who went on to be, in my opinion, a number one contender. And then there's Wu Yanan. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know how they talk about third time's the charm. Whatever the opposite of third time being the charm is, that's what Wu Yanan is. Redhead step, redheaded stepchild, whatever they like to call it. Basically, she ain't a Wiley Zhang or a Yan Xiaonan. She was... They, I, I listen. She, she was the Chinese female that wasn't that good. You know what I mean. And in these fights she's been having, she got dominated by Gina Mazzani, Shaq. Yeah, she I got mean, dominated by Gina Mazzani. Yeah, Gina Mazzani. Look, if you get dominated by Gina Mazzani, I mean, there's nothing else that needs to be said. You know, <laughs> she got dominated by Gina Mazzani. What, what, what else? What else do I need to say? And then the next fight with Lauren Mueller. You know, she was a massive underdog. She got dominated the entire fight, and then she got an arm bar off her back. Great win. I mean, she didn't look good up until then. Lauren Lauren Mueller sucks, too. Lauren Mueller ain't in the UFC no more. Next fight with Mizuki, I would actually say that's the best performance of Yan and Wu's career. Still a loss. But Mizuki's a strawweight, so it's like even worse. 
<laughs> with Jocelyn Edwards, she lost to Sarah Alpar, which is like it's like yeah, 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 cut, cut, you know what I mean. But at least her next fight, and I know it was against a bum, but like when I see girls going out there and knocking other girls out, it stands out to me, even if it's against you know a soccer mom, because you don't often see people in that weight class finishing fights. And that liver kick she landed, that was devastating. Now, I'm just going to say that this is another big girl here with Jocelyn, and she can knock girls out um, that are on that lower level. It's tough to call, man. I'm going to go with Jocelyn for the upset just because I cannot justify uh, laying chalk on Wu Yanan. And I, tr- I tried it once before, Shaq, when she fought Gina Mazzani. You can't beat Gina Mazzani. I'm not interested. I'm pretty sure she was the underdog there. But, uh, was she the underdog? Let me check. Uh, let me check. I don't know. I don't remember. I just know that that night was when I max bet Yan's on it. And my boy, what's the name of the Chinese dude that never fought again? The royalty guy that beat Alex Caceres? Wang Guan. My boy, Wang Guan. So I bet on <laughs> Yan Zhang and Wang Guan. They both won. And then I bet Wu Yan and she lost. If you can't beat Gina Mazzani, I'm not interested. I'll go with the newcomer. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm actually familiar with uh, Edwards because watch. I remember when Alpar was fighting uh, um, Rose Clark. I, I came across that fight that she had with Edwards. So, uh, I w- and I actually said on that show, if you go back, I said I'm pretty sure this chick that Alpar just fought uh, is gonna get signed, even though she lost. I mean, it's just that her wrestling sucks, but the striking is on point. But the wrestling, I, I forget what country she's from, like uh, Anima. Yeah, so yeah, Panama. So I know it was a small country. So I know that you know her training is probably not the uh, not the best situation. She probably she probably needs to get the hell up out of Panama. Move know? over here to the state. <laughs> yeah. ASAP. You know? But I see the potential. So I, I, I'm picking her for the win here. I think the chick striking is on point, like super hard. She just got her stuff to take. That's what lost her the LFA title versus Alpar. She couldn't. Uh, she can't stuff. The, she couldn't get out the clinch. She couldn't get out the. Uh, I get up from bottom and it was and it was bad kind of like Jermaine ran to me you know early early stages you know where like she just uh she doesn't know what to do but on the on the feet man I, I see this I mean Mizuki straw weight little Jap was taking it to was taking it to you went on for a couple rounds until she got tired I mean you know with the extra 10 pounds so you know I, I feel uh I definitely got Edwards here I, I feel like she's just more talented more potential and probably lands the harder shots now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a showdown between Nasserdine Imavov, the French sniper. He's nine and two, and Phil Haas is also nine. And Wait, two. so so is he French or is he Russian? Uh, that's something we're gonna try to figure out for the rest of his career. You know what I mean, Shaq? But currently, they got Phil Haas minus one forty. The comeback on Nasserdine Imavov is plus one twenty. So, I got to give you a lot of credit, Shaq, because uh, you told me that hey, like. Look, those losses Phil Haas took, he, he was like less than 10 pro fights into this whole fucking thing. You know what I mean? The Andrew Santos fight on top. less than 10, less than like five. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Julian Marcus fight. And it's like, when I go back and I rewatch that fight with him and Julian Marcus, to me, it's not even really about what Julian Marcus did right. It's more about what Phil Haas did wrong. And it's something that Phil Haas can correct in the gym. And it's just a pacing thing. I mean, he's an athletic freak. He hits like a truck. He's a D1 wrestler. He's got everything going for him. He just, you know, need a little bit more cage time. Needs to learn how to pace himself. And even though he hasn't been past the first round since that uh, Marquez fight, I still have noticed improvements. Look, I know. I know the guys he's fought. 
have all sucked and this and that. I understand that. I'm not going to debate that. But I've noticed just in his effort, in his pacing, in his maturity, he's doing things the right way now, which which gives me you know reason to believe that if this fight were to go past the first round, that he might actually have something left. Now, with this guy, Imavov, the way to describe him is he's a dog. This guy comes to fight. He'll eat your best shot. Uh, so far, he has. I'm not sure if he can here, but so far, you can eat your best shot, keep coming forward, and even when he gets tired, he can push. So if Phil Haas hasn't corrected, you know, that issue that he had in the past, this is a spot Nasserdine can take over. The thing is, Shaq, I think there's a chance he has corrected those issues. And I'm going to actually agree with the odds makers here. I'm going to go against the public action. I'm going to take Phil Haas here. I'm not sure if it's a knockout. I'm not sure if it's a decision, but I'm going to go with Phil Haas. Initially, look, I was interested in betting in Mava. Let's see if he wins, but... I don't know. Phil Haas has been looking better every fight. And with him, it's just a matter of just a little bit more seasoning and experience. And he's a pretty scary guy. So I'll go Phil Haas. Let's see. Yeah, I thought I thought you were gonna go with the Mavov there, you know. But anyway. I was until I watched uh, Phil Haas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I'm actually really high uh high on Phil Haas, at least more than more than most. Um I just feel like this guy gets a bad rap of what happened early on in his career, you know. Look, if I'm 2-0, and 3-0, and and I get a call to Ultimate Fighter, of course, yeah, you're going to take it. But you know what? Look, you fought Andrew Sanchez lost. You know what he should have done after that? He should have, you know, go back to the NFC or wherever local, you know, regional show. But this kid was so hyped up from the wrestling that they forced him into a fight with Lewis Taylor, Daniel. Shout out to my boy, Lewis Taylor. They forced him into a fight. Lewis Taylor was like 13 and three. This dude had already lost a fight to Andrew Sant. Like, that was a whoever his manager was should be the blame of this. You know what I'm saying? Like, not Phil Hawes. Like, I know Phil Hawes wasn't ready for no shit like that. Fucking uh, Lewis Taylor just knocked out a Russian for a million dollars the other, you know, not too long ago. You know what I'm saying? And he beat and he fought Dave Branch. So I feel like Phil Hawes was weighing over his head. Uh, and then, you know, I think he won a fight maybe in between and they put him in contender series against Julian. We all remember how that went. But, yeah, I see the maturity. Though. I mean, he, I think he moved to Thailand for a little bit. He said, uh, you know, he had to figure it out if he really wanted to do this. And, and, you know, he said, you know, all these people were telling him that he's this big freak athletic, but he he didn't really believe it. He was like, I am? <laughs> really? <laughs> like, uh, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, Mavov is good, man. Mavov, I'm impressed. Um, dude's got good boxing, but he fights with his hands down. But he's got good range and uh, good distance. So, you know, yeah, that is a worry. Some, we haven't seen Phil Hawes in the second and third. But I feel like, man, I follow this guy on IG. Like, he, this dude's... This dude's mental game is on is on point, man. Uh, I mean, the dude's been through a lot. The you know his last fight, I just thought it was blatant disrespect to even to even say some bum. I don't even whatever the fuck his name Malcoon. was. Malcoon. Some bum. This dude could possibly beat Phil Haas. I was like, what? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, dude, Phil Haas is an athletic freak, an athletic specimen. Uh, Nasser Dean, I don't think he's been underneath anyone like Phil Haas, but. Hey, look, it's going to be a good fight, but I, I agree with you. I, I think Phil Haas can go in the second and third rounds. I feel like he's got good feints, good parries in the pocket. He just needs to to manage that gas tank. But I feel like once once he starts cornering Nasser Dean, man, this could uh, be a different fight than, than than people think. Maybe even a knockout. We'll see. 
Now, this fight I'm very excited for, Shaq, because next up in the middleweight division, someone's always got to go. We got Punaheli Soriano, he's 7-0, and Dushko Todorovic is 10-0. Currently, they got Dushko Todorovic, minus 155. The comeback on Punaheli Soriano is plus 135. Shout out to both these guys. I bet on both these guys in their UFC debuts, and they both came through for me big time. I'm a big fan of both these guys. And for a lot of people, they're like, man, why they have to match up the two undefeated prospects? I don't feel that way because for me, I want to know who the better guy is. And I have a feeling I know who the better guy is. And I think the better guy is Dushko Todorovic all day here. Now, listen, I like Puna a lot, not just as a fighter, but like even as like a human being. You hear any of his interviews, just seems like such a kind guy. Uh, I, I really like Puna a lot. And, and he came through for me against Pihota. How could I not like him? I've often referred to Puna Haley Soriano as Hawaiian uh, Vitor. You know, we call Brad Tavares Hawaiian Bisbing. We call Puna Haley Hawaiian Vitor. You know, he's got that southpaw stance with that massive left hand, and he smells blood. He will blitz you with a big combo. Also, uh, I believe he's a D3 All-American wrestler, too, so he's got a little bit of wrestling chops uh, in his back pocket. But when you're talking about this kid, uh, Dushko Todorovic, man, there's something about this kid, man. He's very, very mature for his age. I think he's only like 25, 26, but something about him, man. He's got this, he's got that real elite confidence about him. Like, and I'm not talking about arrogance, I'm talking about confidence. Like, if you hear any of his interviews, like you'll be pretty comforted when you hear him talk. Like the guy, he's got his head on his shoulders and he knows what he's doing, and he's got such good experience outside the UFC, man. Like he, he knocked out Michelle Pereira back when he was only like 22, 23 years old. So he's been being real guys for a long time. And he's got such a fantastic style for winning fights with his high work rate. He's got insane cardio. And in the clinch, when he starts to dirty box some of these guys, like not, not to like, you know, talking absolutes or anything, but like he has some of the best dirty boxing that I've seen in the middleweight division in a long ass time, Shaq. Like I'm... Very, very impressed with Dushko Todorovic. And in addition to that, at distance, he's got great kicks, but he can also mix in takedowns too, man. He can take these guys down to the mat and pound them out too. Look, with Puna Haley Soriano, he's got a massive left hand. You got to respect that left hand. And I know Dushko fights with his hands down, and eventually that's going to catch up to him. I, I just don't think now at 26 years old is going to be the time that he gets caught. I think it's going to be sometime down the line. Um, so I really think that Puna Haley's only chance to win this fight is that big left hand, which he's knocked a lot of people out with. But we saw in that Jamie Pickett fight that if he gets extended, he's the guy that's huffing and puffing. And cardio's never been in question when you talk about a guy like Dushko Todorovic, man. So I think uh, Dushko is actually going to come out here, weather this early storm. Then I think he's going to put it on Puna Haley Soriano. I think he's going to put it on him for real, man. I think we're going to be talking about this kid as a future top 15 guy. So... I'm going Dushko Todorovic here uh, pre pretty uh, decisively too, Shaq. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I think it's a, a good fight, man. I feel like Puna Haley is, you know, in this specific spot, I kind of do think he's kind of getting, uh, what's the word, underappreciated a little bit. I mean, like, I don't want to make any snap or full judgments on Puna. He's got less than how many fights? Seven, six, eight, something like that. I mean, he's... Very inexperienced. 
I understand you had some concussion problems, the labrum issue, but man, I, I see big explosiveness in this kids to where the point where the margin of error, you know, this, uh, you know, Dusko does like to press against the cage, but man, I, I, I don't know if he's going to approach it like, uh, like how he's been approaching his other fights, you know, against uh, the, uh, these guys that he's been fighting. Look, I definitely think Dusko is more well-rounded in terms of overall skills, like grappling, clinch, all that good stuff. Um, it's just that Puna Haley is a is a different beast than these guys, as in one of those left hands spark you on the chin. And, and now let's see if you're that uh, eager to engage and eager to impress, you know, uh, to press against the fence. You know, Daquan Townsend, everyone has their has their way with Daquan Townsend, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and Teddy Ash and these guys. But Puna, yeah, the cardio is a big concern. I mean, the Jamie Pickett fight. Um, but man, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, he, he did gas out and he was swinging heavy and big. Um, but man, he was so young. I don't want to say, I, I still think the kid's a killer. Like Dana, like Dana White said that night, I just think he needs more round time, you know, more cage time. So yeah, I think, uh, I think Dusko is more well-rounded and, and you know, what I'm struggling with here is the price. You know, I, I do feel like the price is a bit disrespectful. You know, I feel like, you know, look, you can get off on and press and work against those uh, against those type of guys, but those guys have nothing coming back. You know, I I, I feel like uh, Puna Puna Haley has something coming back. Just a different type of athlete, a different type of fighter. Um, not saying that Dusko's not gonna win. I, I definitely could see him. You know, with the the second and third rounds, it's just I could also see Puna Puna sparking him early. You know, so. Um, I think it's a dog or a pass uh, from a betting perspective, but we'll see, man. We'll see. Another thing I wanted to bring up that I forgot, um, not that I think this will have any impact on the fight. I'm not really sure if it will or it won't. But the reason that Puna's been out for so long, you said he's been having some concussion issues. So uh, my boy's been banging in the gym really, really hard, and he's he's still in his 20s, man. You don't like to see guys in their 20s with concussion issues. Also had a torn labrum as well, so let's see how he uh, let's see how he rebounds uh, from all that. I'm very curious to see. Now, also in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between the viral sensation Joaquin Buckley's 12 and three, and Italy's non-ranked middleweight Alessio Di Carico is 12 and five. Currently, they got Joaquin Buckley minus 270. The comeback on Alessio Di Carico is plus 230. Man, uh, Joaquin's been doing his thing since that viral knockout. You know, he was able to top that off with a nice little knockout against uh, Jordan Wright. The Beverly Hills Ninja destroyed him. Now he's got Italy's own Alessio Di Carico. Look, Mick Maynard runs the middleweight division, um, and I think he knows what. It, I think he knows he's got something on his hands here with uh, Buckley. Uh, you think he's? Uh, I know he's trying to test him with Alessio, but I mean, do you think Alessio? Like, like you think Alessio's going to beat him? Because I mean. I don't know, man. Buckley's been throwing some heat. Yeah, man. I think Alessio's days are done in this company, man. I I, I feel like he's just hasn't improved. At one point, I thought Alessio was a uh, was some, not a prospect, but you know, an underrated guy. Like around the times he was fighting Marquez and and uh, who else did he fight? But you know, I can't forget about the Eric Spicy fight. I mean, he's shown several signs of jobberness. I mean, the the Gareth McClellan fight. Uh, you know, where he, which he barely won. I mean, Alessio's issues, I mean, they're just never, they never change. It's always something, you know, uh, 
he doesn't throw enough. You know, he, he did. He fought tough, you know, against Mahmoud and, and Holland, but you know, he didn't. Uh, he didn't do enough. And then this last fight with Cummings, and and I get it. He's been fighting better competition of some sorts for sure. But it's like it's the same issue, man. It's like even the first round, which we all think he won. One of the judges scored that round for Cummings. Like this guy. Alessio's one of those guys where you think he won around, but he didn't trust me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's like one of those guys. Like, you're like, I think Alessio won that round. It'd be like, Tr trust me, no, he didn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's like uh, this guy just can't get anywhere, man. And I just feel like he's one of those guys. Now, uh, his last fight with Cummings, you know, he already is a little gun shy, and he was actually aggressive in that fight. And I thought that was a prime spot for him to capitalize on a. I got a lot of respect for Zach, but I, you know, solid fighter, but I just think he also kind of in the same, a similar boat, like he wins when he has to, like a aging competitor, you know, you know, I thought that was a good spot for Alessio to come in and get the win, man. You know, had fought tough with Muradov and Holland. Some people arguably thought he even won those fights. Um, <laughs> and, and, you cute. know, and after, you know, these decisions are ready, you know, he keeps putting his hands up, like, you know, what? I won that fight. And it's like, no, you, you didn't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Remember when he <laughs> tried to fight Kevin after the fight? Yeah, you know, he, that shit and, you know, all that good stuff. And he thought he won that fight. Like, they were in outrage. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they were like, Kevin quit the entire time. I mean, I was like, Kevin beat you with one shoulder, bro. But, yeah, anyways, man. Um, Yeah, Joaquin, you know, I'm not saying Joaquin's his future champ or not because I don't think he's that. I don't think he's even... I go. I don't even think he's featured top fifteen yet. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. I mean, we'll see. I think. I think uh, as he climbs up, he'll you know he'll probably run into trouble. But in terms of this particular matchup, man, I just think there's too much momentum for a guy like Alessio DiCirico to stop. I, I think uh, Joaquin Buckley. This is what we call a setup fight. This is what we call. This is Alessio's last fight on his contract, and let's give him a knockout loss on on his way out of here. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, man, Joaquin's more aggressive. He throws more volume. He's the the more hungry fighter. Um, Alessio's fighting for his job, but he, he's got decent boxing, but he's just slower and he doesn't throw enough. And I just feel like Joaquin wants it more, you know? And maybe I'm talking more about intangibles than I am skills. So we'll, we'll see. Alessio, I'm not saying he's a bad. I don't think he sucks at all. Like, uh, I think Alessio's a decent fighter. Yeah, he's a decent fighter. It's just mental. It's like this kid doesn't have that that it's a goal for it in a fight, man. It's all like, you know, he holds back, you know, and, and after the way that last fight in and I'm expecting them to even hold back even more. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Joaquin Buckley to pretty much just, I don't want to say punk him out, but just, you know, throw more punches, be more aggressive, you know, just uh, outwork him. You know, one thing you can say about Joaquin, yeah, he might be basic with the way he fights and, you know, he ducks and chucks and swings, but his last fight, man, I liked his footwork. I, I thought his footwork looked a lot better. A lot of people were saying Jordan Wright was live going into that fight, man. And Joaquin uh, Buckley, you know, stiffened him up very nicely. And, yeah, Kasaganai might have been a little overrated, but, I mean, you ever seen anyone uh, – you know, get a kick caught and spin, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So, <laughs> I'm going with Joaquin Buckley with the win here this weekend by decision or knockout. I think Shaq just introduced a new half the battle term, uh, duck and chuck. I, I like that. We're, we're gonna have to be using that, uh, from here on out. But, uh, listen, I'll tell you what Alessio's path to victory is he's got some pretty sharp counters. So, I mean, listen, Joaquin's gonna have to close that distance. Joaquin's the much shorter guy. 
And um, Alessio is probably going to be backing up. Alessio's got some sharp counters, man. Even in that Zach Cummings fight, which it really came down to the wire, man. Like, had that knockdown never happened, it might have been like a split decision. But uh, that knockdown did happen, so it wasn't a split decision, you know. But but the whole, like, you know, 13 or 14 minutes up until that knockdown, I mean, Alessio does have some good counters, man. His hands aren't bad, and he throws very hard. So if Joaquin gets a little cocky, if Joaquin drops his hands, Joaquin could get caught in this fight is all I'm saying. But that being said, if that does not happen, I do agree with you. Joaquin's going to outwork him. He simply throws at a much higher pace, a much higher rate. Also has devastating knockout power, too. So might even put him down as well. But if it goes to decision, I, I still got Joaquin. So, yeah, I'll go with Buckley. And I like what he's been doing, man. That camp, um, ever since he's been going to Michigan, he's been training with Jamal Hill. He's been training with Chaos Williams. Like, you see the kind of work those guys have been putting in. They got a good thing going on over there. I'm happy to see it. So I think he builds off that momentum. And I don't think Mick Maynard is trying to get uh, Joaquin Buckley a loss here. I think Mick Maynard knows exactly what he's doing. I think he looked through his roster. I think he thought that Alessio DiCarico was the perfect next step for Joaquin Buckley, and that's why he made this fight. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go with Mick Maynard. Uh, I'm gonna go with Joaquin Buckley to get this get this done. Ah oh, man, I'm very excited to talk about this. Next up in the welterweight division, we got the return of Santiago. Genchi Boa Ponzinibbio, 20, he's 27 and 3. Actually, he changed his nickname, Shaq. It's Santiago, the Argentine dagger, Ponzinibbio. That's his new nickname. He's taking on Lee the Leash Jingliang, who's 17 and 6. Currently, they got Santiago minus 300. The comeback on Lee is plus 250. Man, it was a bummer when Santiago originally left because I thought he was one of the most underrated guys in the welterweight division. <laughs> I mean, they were, saying, they were saying Pons was the dark horse. I was saying that straight up. I mean, listen, yeah, back they, were when, saying, they were saying he was going to beat Usman. You remember he had a fight with Usman? I remember that. And not only were we saying that, but back when he uh, had his last fight, Tyron Woodley was the champion. And I was saying for the longest time that, yo, Pons is the guy that can come out here and dethrone Tyron Woodley. And unfortunately, that fight never happened. But I still feel like if they were to get matched up that, Pons would absolutely I mean, mop the floor. He would mop that. the floor with Tyron. You know what I'm saying? And um, take take Jing Liang out. You know Woodley. Then Woodley's next. <laughs> so, so here's the thing: Pons has been going through some shit. You know, and it's really disgusting when I hear or when I see people talk about how oh Pons he's been sitting out, he's been inactive. Like people talk shit about Pons, guys. He had a viral infection where, like, and I'm not talking about no COVID or nothing. I'm talking about pre pre COVID. He had an infection where, like, he lost all his muscle mass. Doctors told him he might never fight again. He even thought about dropping 155 pounds. And we're talking about a big welterweight in Santiago Ponzinibbio. So, man, that shit is very alarming. You know what I mean? But that being said, if he's anything like what he once was, or even a better version. I mean, he's a top five, top 10 guy in the welterweight division right now. It's just, are we going to get the same pawns? That's So I want to see on the scale how he looks. If he's looking like pawns, then, then he's going to go out there and perform like pawns. If he really lost all his muscle mass and he's out there looking flabby on the scales, then I'm not too interested. But this fight ain't about Li Jingliang. This fight's all about Santiago Ponzinibbio. What Ponzinibbio are we going to get Saturday night? Because we get the real pawns. 
He's so much better. I mean, his calf kick game is one of the best calf kick games in the entire sport. He's straight, right? One of the best straight rights in the entire sport. His cardio is on point. I mean, had he not beat Magni via fourth round knockout, had it been like a three round fight, that would have been like 30, 26, 30, 25. So he's got the cardio to push all three rounds hard. One thing about Li Jing Liang, he hits extremely hard. And that's about the extent of it. You know what I mean? He's a very hard hitter. But man, he's been knocked down five times in his UFC career. Santiago's knocked nine people down or has landed nine knockdowns in his UFC career. I, I just think that if we're getting the same pawns, man, he, he's going to set him up with the calf kicks, eventually go upstairs with a straight right. Everybody drops Lee, except when you get dropped by pawns, that might be the beginning of the end. Um, yeah, I, I got Santiago Ponzinibbio here, but let's pay attention Friday, see how he looks on the scales, and if it's the same pawns, then I definitely got him here. Yeah, you know, this is all based on if we get the same pawns. I mean, look, there's I'm, I'm going to guess that we're not getting the same pawns. I'll go ahead in there and say it because – from what I heard, man, this shit was pretty serious. So, you know, uh, one thing I've been learning, when these people say they've been having these big health issues, you got to take it into to account. I mean, it, it is what it is. But not saying that he doesn't, they gave him a tune-up fight, you know, a guy that's outside of the rankings to come back with and, and to see where he is. But I, I am expecting a different Pons, and, I don't, and, I, and I'll go ahead and say I think he's a great fighter, but I don't think he was top five, you know, top ten, yeah. But, you know, I don't think he was top five. Uh, you know, Magni... Magni, he definitely, you know, that's a good watermark test, and he definitely passed that. But, you know, that was kind of where it ended. So, And it's unfortunate. It's not his fault, you know. But, uh, yeah, I think Pons, well, at the best the best version of Pons, I feel like he's a guy that puts pressure on him, good footwork, good hands. But, you know, he does get hit a lot. His face is bloody, you know, pretty much in all of his fights. I mean, to say he doesn't take damage, I, I would definitely be lying. It's just that the guy he's fighting this time is is notorious for that. I mean, what would you know about Lee Jing Young? I mean, Keitaro heard him, Bobby Nash heard him, Camacho heard him, Matthews heard him, uh, who else heard him? <laughs> Magni heard him, Zawada dropped him. I mean, everyone dropped Lee, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I feel like Lee's best, uh, his career pretty much is holding on to that win over Elizu in China. And I feel like... Uh, that was, you know, he just had so much momentum. I mean, look at that crowd was going crazy that night, man. It was like when they fought in uh, Sacramento. I mean, it's like, you know, it was just too much energy in the building to, to for someone to stop. So, you know, uh, Magni, I do feel like has evolved since he's been out on his break. So, and, and you know, to play Lee at, at Chalk in that line was kind of foolish. You know what happens when you play Lee Jing Leong at Chalky. He, uh, he, <laughs> he gets his Trust last me, week. I know. <laughs> Play Lee Jing Leong at Chalk, he's getting his ass whooped, guarantee. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like, uh, yeah, I am expecting a different punch. Look, I'm, he's, he's either going to be a slightly more hesitant just because he hasn't been fought. He hasn't fought in a while. Um, so I'm going to say, does the slightly a slightly more hesitant Ponzinibbio still beat Lee Jing Leong? Yeah, but should I be paying mine? Uh, you know, minus three hundred. Is his chin gonna be you know the same? Because I do think Pons is a is a little chinny even when he was at his uh you know before this injury. But you know, like you said, Lee can crack. I mean, he is aggressive. He still has never been finished, which is quite amazing to me. With the amount of times this kid's recoverability is uh is something else, man. This kid gets floored and then he just wakes back up. It's like holy shit. But um. So he's still never been actually knocked out. Um, but, yeah, man, I'm going to go with Pons just because I think he's the better fighter. But, you know, we'll see, man, because those are big health concerns. And, 
and I and I do feel like Magni uh, evolved a bit, but you got to understand, um, Ponzinibbio absolutely mopped the floor with Neil Magni. So, you know, I, I will always pick him uh, for the win. But, man, I'm interested to see how he looks, man, because, you know, I actually like this fight a lot better than the Muslim Salikov fight. I was thinking the Muslim Salikov fight was playing with big danger for him um, because, you know, his timing, you know, might be a little bit off. And, you know, Salikov's got good timing. So uh, we will, we'll see. But, you know, I'll go with Ponzinibbio. But I'm interested to see if this is like one of those spots where, you know, Lee's getting so counted out because we've seen him perform at Big Dog Gods before. So we'll see. We have, but we got to mention those fights were in China. You know what I mean? Not to say that in China, they were in China, they were in China. Not to say that he can't win outside of China, but I I have noticed that flight takes a lot out of Lee. And the flight from Beijing to Abu Dhabi, I looked it up, it's over nine hours. So initially, uh, he ain't been in China, he's been in uh, he's been with Chow Nan, they've been up in Alpha Male. Oh, so he's going from the US to Abu Dhabi, that's even a longer flight. So, you know what I mean? Uh, Li Jingliang doesn't do good with those long flights. You know, when he beat Zaleski, it was Zaleski that had to take the long flight. And I'm not going to discredit that win, but what I will say is that Ponzinibbio's got way better hands than Zaleski. Zaleski's got amazing kicks and a good ground game, but Ponzinibbio's got some of the sharpest hands at 170, so I think it's a different story. I think, unlike Zaleski, I think Ponzinibbio can box with uh, Liang and beat him in that area of the game, so... Let's see how he looks Friday on the scales. I need to know this. And after that, uh, we'll take it from there. Co-main event of the evening, also in the welterweight division. Finally, Shaq, we've been waiting 10 years for this fight. Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown. We got Carlos, the natural-born killer. He's 31 and 13. And Matthew Immortal Brown is 22 and 17. Currently, they got Carlos Condit, minus 165. The comeback on Matt Brown is plus 145. Man. I know Shaq remembers when they were supposed to fight on Fox a long-ass time ago, 10 years ago, and that face-off they had was so intense. It was just a shame that the fight never came to fruition. Um, Now I know they're both kind of past their prime, but it's better late than never. You know what I mean, Shaq? And um, listen, Carlos Condit finally coming off a win. I picked him to beat Court McGee. He went out there, defeated him. And uh, Matt Brown actually... Fought one of the top prospects at welterweight, and Miguel Baeza even got a knockdown, or at least heard him in that fight, knocked his mouthpiece out. So, man, what do you think uh, about this welterweight showdown between two legends of the welterweight division in Brown and Condit? Man, at first I was I was actually pretty confident in Brown, then I started watching more tape. Uh, man, it's tough because Carlos. Uh, I have a feeling that throughout the 15 minutes that if this goes to decision, you know, it's probably gonna, it's probably gonna more lean in, in, uh, in Carlos's favor. You know, he likes to dance, look pretty on the outside. Now he's, he's more of a point fighter style now. And this is a fight where he probably ain't gonna have to wrestle. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know what Carlos's kryptonite is, is a, is a good old double leg. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you don't you think know, Matt's but- gonna shoot? I mean, he could. I mean, that would be smart. But the, the Matt Brown I know is 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 killer be killed. Uh, you know, is either we're knocking this fucker out or we're gonna get knocked out. So you know, uh, I mean, Matt Brown, man. You know, when you really look at it, I don't want to say. I mean, look, he's second second uh, overall in KOs in UFC history. So wait, 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 but he's first in welterweight history. 
Yeah, right? first, but just second in overall history in KOs, so which is a, an incredible achievement. So we know what type of, I mean, he, Matt Brown hurts a lot of people. And, and you know, I really wasn't impressed with Carlos's fight with Corey McGee. I just thought it, I considered it a 15-minute workout, you know, a, 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 <laughs> a, a 15-minute little, uh, you know, pad session, you know, because Corey McGee was out there trading kicks on the outside, not pressing, not, Court McGee should be cut. I mean, Court McGee lost to Ben Saunders. So, you know, that's all I really uh, have to say there. So, I mean, I, I want to say, yeah, Carlos, Carlos is back. But, bro, he ain't back. He looked sloppy in the pocket. It just Court really didn't give me enough to to make a judgment as where is Carlos going to go. His body looks good, though, I'll say. It definitely looks a lot better than Matt's. Matt's body looks old. And, you know, his body, you can see it. I mean. His body looks like he just had a surgery, you know what I'm saying? As where uh, Carlos is, you know, he looked fresh. I mean, he looks more healthier. Um, as far as who's aggressive, who's going to push forward, we know Matt's going to do that. And I'm interested to see if he can hurt Carlos on the feet. Because Carlos has never been TKO'd, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, by uh, besides the Woodley fight, no. Yeah, so he does have a good chin, you know. And uh, so, man, I actually might have to switch my pick to Carlos. By decision, I'm cheering for Matt though, you know, because I actually thought Matt looked really good his last fight. It's just, you know, once Miguel sparks you on the chin like that, it's probably uh, game over, man. But I, man, coming off that at his age, I just kind of slightly probably gotta go to lean with Carlos Condon. But from a betting perspective, I do think it's dog or pass. Uh, I mean, Corn McGee just didn't test him enough, in my opinion, for me to say like, oh, Carlos can beat these guys, these guys, these guys. You know, Corn McGee. I mean, I don't even think Corey McGee can win an NFC title, and that's and that's just the honest truth about it. So, you know, uh, we'll see. But I'll say I think Carlos is going to try to hit and run. I don't think – like, I think this is like – remember the Nick Diaz fight, how everyone thought it was uh, going to be this war and, and you know, you know they're going to stand and trade. I have a feeling Carlos is going to be tipping and running all night and trying to – he's going to be trying to make this, uh, you know, a Jackson Wink point, point style type, you know, so we'll see but i'll go with carlos by decision you're saying the fight between carlos condit and core mcgee was a little saturday night sweat sesh yeah you know a 15 minute workout a little little pad session with six guns you know what i'm saying a little little sparring a little uh, light sparring a little saturday (laughs) night drip i mean (laughs) listen uh Matt, these both these guys are legends, man. Matt Brown, first man to ever beat Wonder Boy, first man to ever beat Douglas Lima, had that amazing war with Robbie Lawler. Was I already, one fight. I already fucked Douglas up so bad too, man. I heard it was up in uh, in Kennesaw, up in a basement or some shit <laughs> like uh, like like because it was a long time ago, right? Like a long, long time. ago. Oh yeah. It's a great fight. He TKO yeah. Douglas Lima. You got yeah. y'all should check that fight out because it was a war, man. It was well, a they, fuck. They, took, they took the fight off. They took the fight offline, right? Oh, did they? I don't remember, yeah, but sure I know we, we got to see it. So yeah, it was amazing. Cool. So I mean, like I said, Matt Brown beat Wonder Boy, beat Douglas Lima, had that amazing fight with Robbie Lawler. Carlos also had an amazing fight with Robbie Lawler. Carlos touched interim gold. Both these guys are legends. Oh, man, when they were supposed to fight 10 years ago. I was actually going to pick Matt Brown. That's when he was kind of at the height of that win streak that he was on, looking the best he's ever looked. And one thing about Condit is he takes a little bit of unnecessary damage. But, you know, one guy takes too many shots and the other guy doesn't react as well to the shots. You know, Matt Brown, historically speaking, you know what happens when you hit Matt Brown to the body. I know Shaq knows damn well. We were in attendance for that Jake Ellenberger fight. Um, that, was a sad, that was a sad, sad night. Man. It was sad because Jake was ready to go home. I, you, you, I, 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 
I couldn't believe Matt did that. I was like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> it was crazy, man. Um, so, yeah, I, I see this being a fun fight. I know what you're saying, that Carlos might come out here and just try to avoid him and try to point him up a little bit. I could see that happening. So I'd say Condit has the durability edge, but I think the output might go to Brown. And speaking of takedowns, I know Brown ain't known for shooting a lot of takedowns, but actually his last win against Ben Saunders, he did land two takedowns in that fight. I know Ben Saunders, but so what? No, you can't count those, bro. You can't count. Condit can't stuff a takedown either. You can't. You can't. You can't count. You can't count. Kinda can't stuff a takedown either. So, I mean, if, Carlo, if Carlos fought Ben Saunders, he, he'd have two takedowns too. <laughs> kind of would get another head kick knockout there. Um, you know, you know Ben Saunders been turning down fights on, on the regional scene. Don't don't I mean, say against two, but you you know he's been. I mean, if I was close to him, I'd turn down fights too. Ben shouldn't be fighting. You, you turned down that fight that Ben got offered. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, um, that one. I wouldn't turn that one down because <laughs> he's, I don't know. He's not equally as bad, but just, he is, you know, in a bad spot as well. So with his health, at least. So, you know, but anyways, back to this, um, this is a tough fight for me to call, you know, both guys passed their prime. I was picking Matt Brown 10 years ago. He was the underdog 10 years ago. I'll pick him again here. Obviously, you can tell it's not the most confident pick. Y'all know when I'm super confident. Go listen to my Jamal Hill breakdown against OSB. Here, I'm not sure. I think it's a 50-50 fight. So since it is, I'll take the plus 145 dog. I'll go with Matt Brown. And uh, I just can't wait to sit back as a fan, watch these two legends, two of my all-time favorite welterweights, two all-violence guys just go at it. And hopefully, uh, it's an exciting fight. So let's see. Main event of the evening. Here we go, Shaq featherweight division we got the former champ or as many people like to refer to him as the uncrowned champ we got max holloway he's 21 and 6 he's taking on calvin cater the boston finisher who's 22 and 4 currently they got max holloway minus 150 to come back on calvin cater's plus 130 so it's funny i don't know if you heard the talk between the two but um calvin basically said that you know a lot of people are talking like you know he's the like max is you know the not the elder but like you know the, the guy who's been here more and calvin was like if we were in high school i'd be a senior and he'd be a freshman and i'd treat him like a freshman so uh what do, what do you think about this main event fight because obviously we know max has incredible volume he's so confident he's so confident to a point where like he, even if he's losing he can make you feel like he's winning calvin some of the best boxing at 145 and i've known about calvin since day one i remember when he fought feely i was like do not lay that chalk on feely in this spot this guy is legit turns out i was right here's his chance he wins this fight he's right up there but max wins this fight he's right up there too so uh what do you think man amazing main event yeah tough fight man tough fight because Calvin stumbled in these spots before, you know, he, he has fallen short when, uh, you know, against a beat and, uh, Moicano. That's, that's only two losses, right? It's beat yeah. Moicano. And the UFC. Yeah. yeah. So it's not that bad. Um, Holloway, look, I've been one of the few people I've look, I've made a lot of money fading Holloway, man. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, it's been a, it's been a fade Holloway party over here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, uh, Look, I, I do think he's on the decline now. How much of a decline? Look, in his last fight, that was that was pretty much he lost that fight pretty much based off his ego. And 
And I feel like he's been having like an ego crisis as of late, man. Like for a while now. Like you know, you know, he's not with uh with uh what's his name, Sucker Punch anymore. Oh yeah, um, I thought you were about to say Ivan Flores. I was about to be like, holy shit. Nah, but you know, he's but still like Sucker Punch and him. They were like, you know, they're both Hawaiian, so something yeah. went down. So, like and and from what I heard, it. I don't know. I'm not going to get into it, but, you know, that mixed in with the, you know, the Dustin Poirier fight was, you know, he definitely, I mean, I was there. I think, I mean, pretty much everyone thought he lost, but, you know, Max at the time didn't think he lost. So, you know, uh, and then, you know, that fight afterwards, I actually bet on him against Frankie Edgar thinking, you know, you know, just knock him out real quick, but, you know, he couldn't, I mean, I just wasn't that impressed with the performance, man. Like, you know, maybe he was in first gear, so you know, maybe maybe he really wasn't trying. Maybe you know, who knows? But he still won every round, so how much can I uh, uh, knock him? But you know, his fights with Volkanovski, especially the last one, I feel like had this kid like you know, in between the first and second round, he's doing all this shit like you know, putting it, doing the uh, the Matumbo finger and the and was talking to the commentators. Yeah, I'm like, bro, chill. Like he's been. He's been so upset about this, like, of these last few fights. Like, I feel, and I still feel like he's kind of holding on to these losses. Like, I don't know what it is, but, like, he's upset about it. And I know he, I don't know if he's not getting paid enough or, like, I don't know what it is. But it's like the first fight with Volkanovski, you clearly lost. Like, that, that is not even, uh, you know, uh, a choice. So this next one, yeah, it was close, but... You know, he pulled a, a old what I call the old Masvidal. You remember when Masvidal would get up, would get up two rounds and then just stop fighting? You know what I'm saying? He pulled the Angela Hill, as what I like to call it. You know what I'm saying? You get up early and then and then you stop fighting. You know what I'm saying? And then you complain about a a, a split decision. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I think he made a big mistake in that after the second round. I think he did get a little fatigued. I mean, he's doing all these extra antics. Had his emotions been in check. A little bit he probably would have won that third round a little more more decisively and, and probably would have won the decision but then it led into the championship rounds where he got absolutely outclassed which leads me to believe that max holloway might no longer be a championship level fighter man i mean i know he did just finish uh brian ortega not too long ago who's the number one contender but it's i don't think it's the same brian ortega so you know has max holloway truly evolved like some of these other guys you know you know, we know he's got the volume, but I still see a guy that's taking a lot of, of punishment in his fights. He drops his hands after he throws. I mean, that was things that we've been picking up on for a while, you know, going into the Poirier fight and things like that. So I actually think Holloway is more on a decline than people think. It's just, you know, look, what I learned a lot last year is, man, there's still levels to this, man. You know, like, you know, uh, Holloway still, you know, when I'm referring to that last fight, it was emotions, which I, I, I feel like lost in that fight, you know, headspace, you know, his attitude, you know, I feel like that's what not skills. I think those are the things I feel like maybe if he has a, a reset and, and, you know, really gets to the bottom of what, what's he's been so upset about, you know, over the last year or so, um, then maybe he, he can come out here and get a win and, and get back in the title contingent, man. But, you know, I still seeing interviews where he's saying, you know, you know, where Nate Diaz and Dustin and Gaethje and all these dudes hit him up after the fight telling telling him that he won and stuff like that. It's, yeah, Max, we we all love you and, you know, uh, you know we, we feel bad. But, man, 
Oh, man, I feel like the stock on Max Holloway is as low as it's ever been, you know. Um, and Calvin, look, <clears throat> I, I'm struggling with Calvin, man, because I, I've been a fan of this guy, you know, since the Philly fight. And, you know, I've never, like when I watch tape on him, I, I think the guy's great, top five, six, four, whatever, whatever you want to say. But my gut feeling tells me that he's not a legitimate threat to a to the title and and he's got and he's got the opportunity to come out here on, on saturday and prove uh prove everyone wrong with the knockout win but you know man that dan ige fight i i thought he could could have looked a little better i know ige's a tough guy and ige kind of did you know play like he was kind of running away a little bit and kind of not engaging because i mean every time they did engage but i mean ige bloodied up his nose a lot and and i feel like calvin sometimes getting this gets into this thing where the volume is a little bit of an issue for him dudes can press him back you know where the the burgos fight he got pressed back in the second round he was able to come back and get the knockout but you know dudes moicano pressed him back um even you know zabi uh sharipov even jeremy stevens for little portions you know um but i feel like you know maybe against a more measured a little bit more experienced guy in those championship rounds a more experienced guy in just big fights in general that maybe calvin will fall up short again man so you know, I liked it when this price was up, like uh, up uh, around like 180, 170, 160 up in that range. Uh, you know, but now I feel like some of the value is kind of gone. I still lean Max, man. I'm not going to lie. I, I do think he throws more punches. And I do think that if he has that mental, you know, reset or I, I, I do see him throwing more punches and getting the Calvin late, man. I just feel like Calvin's a little bit, you know, I don't want to say one dimensional, but like I just feel like to beat some of the higher, the higher, higher level guys are gonna mean more than just the, those those classic boxing combinations. And look, they're great, one hundred percent. But I re the reason why I feel like Volkanovski has this edge over him is the feints, man, and, and just the the work rate of the feints. You know, uh, feints are really simple. People might just think it's a, a feint, but like you know, when you're constantly, constantly, constantly feinting and reacting you know, it, it's hard to fight a guy. Like that's why Jose Aldo, when he fought him, he couldn't even throw a punch. He was like. He didn't, he didn't know where the hell what was happening, man. So I, I see Calvin as a notch down from guys like Volkanovski and Poye. Not saying that he can't get the win, but just from a betting perspective, I do think some of the value has gone. Uh, but I'll take Holloway for the win. But but I, I don't blame you for taking that dog shot, man. It's, it's Calvin. You got a good price. Um, it's just I, I, I still think Holloway's a better fighter. Man, such a fantastic fight. Um, firstly... I'm really happy to see Calvin Cater in five-round fights because he's one of these guys. You know, he's always been criticized for that slow start. But you know who else is criticized for the slow start? Max Holloway as well, even though his last fight, he won the first two rounds. But if we really examine that Volkanovsky fight, the second one, so it wasn't one-way traffic until the knockdowns, basically. So like, I actually thought the first and second round were super close. It's just that Max clearly edged it by knocking him down. So when he got those knockdowns, it's clear as day. Hey, this was a 50-50 round, but you got the knockdown, so this round goes to you. The way people make it seem, though, is that like Max was just out there landing every single shot at will, like doing whatever he wanted to him, and that just wasn't the case, man. It... The first two rounds were close as hell. He edged it with the knockdowns. And all he really had to do to win the fight, Shaq, not, not to act like it's some simple task to defeat Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, but one more round of focus and concentration, 
yeah. and he seals three rounds in the bag. I think and it was emotions. Emotions got the best of him. And instead, he's going out there to John Anik, and it's like, shh, like, like, dude, like John John Anik's the commentator. Like, like, who who gives a fuck? Like, like, co- like, who care? Like, basically. What Max was doing was like being like, like shush, like don't count me out, like everybody's been writing me off, and it's like, dude, the fight ain't over yet. Do all the shh after the fight. Once you win the fight, that's when you do all that kind of trash talk type stuff and all the signals and the hand gestures. But his ego got the best of him. And here with Calvin, it's tough because you do bring up a good point. Calvin has, you know, he does take some shots as well. But one thing that Calvin does bring to the table that's really damn important. I've noticed if you look at the stats, uh, the only guys that have beat uh, Max Holloway lately are guys that land at least five significant strikes per minute. I mean, we're talking about Dustin Poirier, who lands way over that, and Alex Volkanovsky, who lands way over that. All these other guys that Max has been beating all land below five significant strikes per minute. Calvin Cater is right above the five significant strikes per minute uh, mark. So that's good. That's good. We need that. Um, What I'm saying is he's not going to match the actual volume of a guy like Holloway, but he throws enough to where if he can get off on a couple power shots, um, that might actually sway the judges. And and what I mean by that is like if, you know, Max might land a couple more shots per round, but if, you know, if Calvin can get Max to wobble or Calvin can get a couple big moments, he can sway the judges that way. It's just if he backs into the fence, covers up, and starts letting Max truly tee off on him, that's where Max can really gain momentum and kind of run away with this thing. So it's a tough one to call, but usually when fights are tough, I got to go with the dog here. Um, I I don't think that Max is declining. I mean, he's only 29 years old. That being said, though, that being said, though, he has eaten over 900 significant head strikes in his career, which is a lot. And the thing is, he's he's Hawaiian. Hawaiians have insane chins. You remember back when BJ Penn was the man, um, even when he was on his skid, the whole thing with BJ Penn was never been knocked down, never been knocked out, right? Until he finally did get knocked down and knocked out. So right now, Max Holloway is riding the I'm Hawaiian. I've never been knocked down or knocked out. Uh, type thing which is great it's just is that gonna keep happening every fight because it's like you took Poria's shots which Poria is one of the hardest hitters in the history of the lightweight division you took Volk's shots which we know Volk can knock a lot of people out how many more times can he come out here and keep eating these shots without going down now I'm not saying Saturday night's gonna be the first time he goes down because I actually thought Volk was gonna put him down the second time that didn't happen either so I'm not going to write off Max's chin. His chin is too insane. Um, but what I, the path to victory I see for Cater is not necessarily trying to keep up with the volume, but trying to land the harder shots throughout the five-round duration, sway the judges that way. If the knockout comes, it comes. If not, land the harder shots throughout the five rounds. The tough fight to call. I'm not counting out Max. I think he's a legend. I love him. But I've been high on Cater for a reason. And sometimes these guys rise to the occasion. Like, I know the Zabit fight didn't go his way. But I think a lot of you guys can agree with me that, you know, he kind of got the short end of the stick in the sense that they were originally supposed to fight for five rounds in Boston. Then the fight got moved to Russia, and it was only three rounds. So he didn't get those extra two rounds that main event fighters are, you know, they're often uh, a luxury they're often afforded. He didn't get that luxury. So who knows what would have happened if it would have been another two rounds. The Moicano fight, there's no excuse. Even if that was another two rounds, he still would have lost. But I think he's gotten a lot better since then. You know, that was only his third UFC fight. 
I mean, Max Holloway was losing fights back in, you know, when he was only a couple fights into his UFC career. I mean, I know y'all remember Dennis Bermudez beat him, even though we all thought Max won. So, listen, he's taking his licks. I think he's come back better. I think this is a good spot for him to rise to the occasion. It's going to be tough, though, because Max will not go down without a fight. Max is going to be there. Max is going to be trying. And like I said, Max's confidence, he'll start taunting serious guys like Volkanovsky, and he has such confidence in himself that it'll make you believe that he's winning the fight. But he eats too many clean shots. I'm not sure Calvin's a guy you want to eat clean shots against. So I'm going to go with Calvin uh, for the upset, and uh, let's see what happens. Now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So the fight to watch for USC Fight Island 7. Let me take it first, Shaq. Uh, I got to go with uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Li Jingliang. I mean, neither of these guys have ever been in a boring fight. And in addition to that, I want to know where Santiago Ponzinibbio lies in the welterweight division after his fucking two-year layoff. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? So I got to go with Ponzinibbio versus Lee. Two exciting guys. That's my fight to watch. What's your fight to watch? Yeah, uh, my fight to watch is Omari versus Breeze, man, because uh, Breeze is these, this guy that they've, I mean, look, they've been trying to hype this guy and push, push him on us for so long. I know they need dudes out of uh, England to take over for Bisping, you know, because I hear they're trying to set up uh, another England boy by the name of uh, Leon Edwards, you know what I'm saying? So, so you know, Breeze has an opportunity, man. Omari's top 15, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um yeah. So, like, you know, this, I mean, if he wins this fight, I mean, this will be a nice little rebound from the Brendan Allen stunt. And, and, and Tom Breeze would have finally lived up to his potential. I mean, you know, uh, but Omari, you know, Omari's a, a real Russian gangster, man. You know, Omari's going to bring it. You know, he comes to fight every single time, man. He's been a part of more than one fight of the night. So uh, I'm looking forward to that fight. For me, my fighter to watch is Dushko Todorovic. Um, a lot of people think this is a very close fight. I kind of don't, but I'm curious to see if I'm right or I'm wrong about that. Like, I, I, I want to know if Dushko is going to come out here, make this not look easy, but like just outclass him and show show a show a difference in like, hey, I'm a future top 15 guy. This is why I want to know if he's going to go out there and have that performance. He's got that vibe about him. He's got that aura. He's got the whole gym dedicated just to him. Um, I like what this kid brings to the table. He's got the proper experience outside the UFC. He's a dog. He's got the will to win. He's extremely smart. He's intelligent. You hear him talk. You're like, God damn, this kid's got some IQ. Dushko Todorovic is my fighter to watch. I'm very curious to see how he handles this extremely tough test in uh, Puna Haley Soriano. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Fight Island 7? Yeah, my fighter to watch... Um... My fighter to watch will be, I'll say Joaquin Buckley, man, just because, you know, I think at this point, every time uh, the fans tune in, I mean, we're expecting we're expecting somebody unconscious, you know, when he fights, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I want to see if he can live up, you know, for three times in a row. Uh, you know, I mean, if he wins this fight, not that I think the crowd fight's out of the question. I don't think they uh, – they don't want. They don't want to do that. Um, but you know, I think uh, you know if he knocks out Alessio, or just even gets a win, like man, the sky's the limit for Joaquin Buckley, man, in twenty twenty one. Because I mean, that'll be what three straight wins over uh, an undefeated guy, Alessio, who's a respectable, um, and Jordan Wright, who I believe was undefeated. Well, not really undefeated, but you know, 
Technically, he was undefeated. undefeated. <laughs> but he was undefeated. <laughs> but uh, you know, Fluffy, Fluffy, uh, they they took the win away. But you know, uh, I think uh, if he gets this win, man, you can see him in some good matchups for for uh, 2021. I mean, who won like a who you got between? Uh, I want to see, you know, Joaquin versus Darren Stewart, Joaquin versus uh, you got between Joaquin and Edmund, you know, shit like that. And like Joaquin and, you know, uh, I mean, there's a lot of good options. Oh, what's Brad Tavares up to? Brad Tavares has a fight. He's fighting um, another shoe face. Yeah, quit face. Yeah, that's actually a good fight. Quit face. Puss yeah, face. Brad's got good uh, <laughs> takedown defense. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh man, I put man, True Face might actually man, Brad looked like complete dog shit his last fight. Um fucking uh has he fought since the Israel fight? Yeah, Edmund, and he got knocked out in like a Oh minute. shit, you're right. Fuck, yeah. he's looked bad his last two fights. Really I mean, bad. Bro, you know he went into the Izzy fight with like a smorgasbord of injuries and he any he, and he thought he was gonna win. <laughs> like he got uh because you know they gave him like a new contract, like a like a forty thousand dollar swing or something like that, fucking. I remember, uh, and it was like minus one ten a piece. Uh, in hindsight, that should have been a max bid on Izzy, but yeah, I picked him. I picked my boy Izzy. So good pick, but yeah. So, anyways, thank you to everybody for tuning in. We truly appreciate it. It's good to be back in twenty twenty one. Looking to do some big things this year. So. Thanks to everybody for your support. Make sure you follow me at Best Five Picks. Follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Our plays are available at bestfivepicks.com. Make sure you all subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Uh, we'll be back uh, twice next week because we got two events next week. So we'll be doing uh, both those cars. Don't you worry. Going to be going live every single uh, every single show now. So that's awesome. Thank you all for you know tuning in with us. Uh, and yeah, thank you guys very, very much for your support. Also, I got some written work available at linemovement.com. Make sure you all check them out. And until the next time, oh, one more thing. Our sponsor, Manscaped. Make sure you all use that promo code BATTLE20, all cast BATTLE20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Your balls will thank you. And we'll thank you too because you help out the show by doing that. So if you want to help out uh, half the battle, go to Manscaped, use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. And thank you guys again. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.